Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 137 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we talked about the recent Apple announcements of new iPhones and the long-awaited Apple Watch. That led us to a lot of speculation. We decided to go back to facts and data today. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, in this uh, edition, we usually like to take one episode each year and talk about the results of major surveys, uh, about how lawyers and law firms are are using technology. And so in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll uh, be talking about the 2014 ILTA Inside Legal Survey and the ABA Legal Technology Resource Center Survey. Um, In our second segment, we'll ask a question about where are the young lawyers? Why aren't they at legal tech conferences and, and programs around legal technology? And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can begin to use the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our main topic, and that's uh, 2014 legal tech surveys. Each year, uh, a number of outlets uh, conduct surveys among lawyers and law firms to understand how technology is being used in the practice of law. ABA's Legal Technology Resource Center, Inside Legal, along with ILTA, and even ALM uh, all conduct some various types of surveys that provide a lot of information about how lawyers use technology. I've always thought that these surveys are best uh, for vendor, the vendor market, I, th- I think, but uh, y- we may want to talk about about how lawyers can use them as well. Dennis, for those people who aren't familiar with these surveys, you want to give a quick description of what they are? Yeah, there, there are a few main surveys every, every year that are designed with the purpose of, of really pulling out information about how lawyers actually are using technology. Um, and they're probably the, the best information that we have. They're self-reported. Uh, they're, so they're, there are limitations of how, I mean, I guess there's questions about how representative they are and, and how accurate they are to some extent, but they're the best information that we have. And and so I think that, as I always say, sometimes you, I think you look for trends, you look for sort of the big picture and, and not focus on how precise some of the numbers are, but, and, and you need to kind of keep in mind, um, you know, how many people are, are surveyed, the the uh, the percentage of participation and those sorts of things, but I just take it as the best information that we have, and, and probably the best part of that even is that they're done consistently every year, uh, so you can pick up trends. So the ABA through the Legal Technology Resource Center that Tom and I are involved in uh, does a does one survey that. Uh, tends to focus a bit more on the individual lawyers, solos, small firms, but sort of covers the range of things. The ILTA Inside Legal uh, survey is directed more at the at the larger firms and the mid-sized firms, um, and both of them go into a lot of detail. There are a lot of questions, so the people who participate in these are 
pretty committed because they're they were answering a lot of questions so you get a lot of details and uh, there's there are also some other things out there uh, amla or law.com uh, does something where they do uh, surveys of technology and associates views of technology and, and all of those those things are are useful so we have the results of some of those and especially the the aba and the ilta survey that we wanted to talk about. Tom, I guess that that's sort of what's out there. And kind of what prompted our timing, I think, was that uh, David Houlihan at Blue Hill Research had uh, posted a series of, of uh, blog posts trying to draw some conclusions based especially on the ILTA survey, uh, where he questioned, sort of looked at the issue of, of whether there's IT strategy out there, whether there's change in the way that, that lawyers use technology and the, the sense that, that maybe change is slow, but it's happening. And so I, I think that's sort of the frame and sort of my reaction to some of the survey results. So I don't know whether you wanted to comment a little bit on uh, the slow change topic, or you just wanted to dive in and, and maybe talk a little bit about the ABA survey. Well, I'll do both. Um, I, I think that what I see if I look at both of the uh, of the surveys is what I think is kind of an interesting sameness. Uh, they are b- both pretty boring in the fact that there hasn't been a lot of change uh, in a significant way. I mean, I, there are outliers and there are pieces of each survey where there are some significant changes um, on a year-to-year basis. I don't know how significant that is over over a period of time. But um, I, I agree. I agree with uh, David uh, Houlihan when he talks about the fact that, that things seem to be slow. Um, I, I think that they're slow. One of the one of the things that I've noticed, especially looking at the ABA um, survey, is that for a number of areas over the past maybe three or four years leading up to this year, maybe 2010 through 2013, uh, you were seeing some significant shifts in numbers on certain topics, cloud computing, mobile technology. You were seeing a lot more adoption um, over this period of time as lawyers were understanding how it worked, uh, understanding how it could benefit them in their practice. Um, this year, um, things seem to take um, a little bit of a, of a rewind and actually see pullback uh, in terms of the ABA survey in the way uh, that happens. I don't know what explains this. Like you mentioned before, um, it may be because uh, of the of the people who respond to it. Looking at the respondents for the ABA survey, it seems like there may be um, a higher percentage of solo and small firm lawyers answering this year that may have, have had an effect on it. But uh, I don't know. I um, I tend to think that, that's, uh, that it was an interesting um, development that, that there really was actually, in addition to things just kind of leveling off, there was actually a pullback on certain areas. So, for example, uh, blogging. There was a, a slight drop in the percentage of firms that are blogging. I don't understand why you would – that was it was down to 24%, which is still not a very high amount of, of firms that are blogging. But why would it go down? I don't – that, that's very interesting and, and very uh, different for me. It's still the same amount of people who are using social media, um, still the same rough percentages of people using LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Mobile technology... I wrote one of the tech reports for the survey on mobile technology, and what I found in the in the what was really interesting to me is that lawyers were using smartphones and tablets more for 
personal reasons than for legal work. They actually were pulling back and not using them for legal purposes, but they were using them for sending text messages and for chat sessions. Now, they might be chatting with their colleagues and other lawyers, and they might actually be getting legal work done, but they weren't doing the things that you would normally associate with lawyers doing. And, you know, uh, my my special area of of interest, uh, the iPad and tablet use, um, there was a huge increase. I mean, probably a 30% increase in the amount of lawyers using tablets in their practice over the past three years and it leveled off this year it's and and i and i wonder whether that's a you know meaning have we reached a saturation point for for tablet use among lawyers uh, cloud services i think you did you looked at uh, the, the cloud services i think that that's also staying stable with only about 30 percent of lawyers using that um we're seeing um a steady but slow evolution towards using uh, more mobile devices in the courtroom uh the the, the area on e-discovery shows that uh, there's uh, the e-discoveries remained actually pretty steady but what's interesting is that certain the use of certain e-discovery technologies have actually decreased um, so that's what was interesting to me about the ABA is that is that I didn't find um, a lot of increase in adoptions of certain technologies and in some areas where I really didn't expect it I found a slight decrease and I don't know if that's what you found and I've been blabbing on for a while do you, do you did you find some something that was similar or the similar kind of boredom that I found when I looked at the, the results? Well, in looking at the ABA uh, results and, and some of the, the highlight articles that, that we look, had preview of, it is interesting because it seemed like the, the people who were summarizing the results were like like me in the, the chapter on cl- cloud computing, trying to find stories because nothing was really jumping out from the from the data. So, so if you look in 2013 survey on cloud computing, I mean the use of Dropbox was the increase was astronomical. It was it, it just jumped right out at you, and it was basically the same or slightly less this year. So you you had that sense of well maybe maybe there was a, a sort of stabilizing or a plateauing in some of these things, but as uh, you know I've thought about it a little bit more. I think that there's it's one of those things where there's been this sort of gradual increases over the last four or five years, and now we're starting to see uh, some of some of that impact. And then also I, I wonder always in these self-reported surveys. You know, some of the numbers don't really seem to add up. So, uh, I mean, I'll talk about it a little bit in the ILTA survey, but, you know, sometimes you say, well, it seems like people are not saying they don't, aren't using these things or this is their focus, but it, in other places, other, you know, other answers, it doesn't quite show up in the in the way that you would expect. So that's that's important to think in mind uh, or to keep in mind and then also I think that there is probably and this is kind of an interesting uh factor in these surveys too is that probably uh people most interested in in technology are answering the survey or at least that's my hypothesis. So uh that gives you a uh, you know, an interesting outlook on on some of those answers, but uh, you know, it, it shows there's. Uh, I basically see there's a lot of room for lawyers to use technology more, and so, 
you know, if I if I'm in a room full of lawyers that I'm speaking at a conference, I am not from the questions I get from the equipment I see people using. Um, I spoke recently and somebody brought up an iPhone to ask me like if I had any ideas on how they could improve the battery life on it, and I couldn't even recognize what model the phone was. It was it was it was so old. And they said, and he was joking. He chuckling said, "I guess you're just going to tell me it's time for me to get a new phone." I said, well, that's probably the best answer, but you might be able to, if you really want to keep it, you might be able to buy an external battery and kind of, you know, eke out, you know, some more use out of it, which he thought was a good idea. Uh, but, you know, getting a new phone would have been <laughs> the better the better choice. So, I, I don't know, Tom, I mean, it's, it's, there is one of those things, like I said, I sort of felt when I was doing the uh, uh, summing up parts of the ABA survey that I was looking for, uh, you know, news when when maybe it was just the, the sort of actual data that we had and where we're at now is is really what to look at rather than the changes from year to year. Or maybe to look at the longer term trend might be a better way to go. Um, so anyway, that's 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 my reaction to your question. You know, if I'm being cynical about it, I, I did kind of take a look at the the demographics of the ABA survey. And I, I really think that there was um, a slightly higher percentage of solo and small firm lawyers answering the survey this year. And if I'm allowed to make a prejudicial statement about solo and small firm lawyers, I think that they're kind of a schizophrenic group. They they make up some of the most passionate users of technology, as well as some of the most technophobic people, too. People who don't want, people who are going to show up with that old iPhone because they're going to wring every ounce of battery life out of it before they have to go and get a new phone. Um, so I want to say that uh, even though... I I agree with you. I think the people who are going to take this survey are the people who are more likely to uh, be interested in technology. I just don't think that's bearing out the same way that I would have expected this year. I, I just am, am, a, am a little surprised by uh, by the results of, of the survey this year. So let's let's move on. That's that's really talking to individual lawyers and people who are probably hands-on using the technology. Um, ILTA, the Inside Legal Survey, really talks to a different group entirely. We get a different picture of how technology is being used. Dennis, you want to kind of go into what you found in, in this year's survey results? Yeah, I really like the ILTA survey. I mean, because my background is in midsize and then and larger firm, even though I'm inside counsel now. Um, but I think even as an inside counsel, this this uh, information is really useful to me in, as I think about what the outside law firms might be doing. And so I think that as I look at this, there are some things that have really started to settle in this area. And so you're seeing that consistently that the 2 to 4% of total firm revenue being spent on technology tends to be borne out. Uh, average around $8,000 uh, per attorney on technology and, you know, f the bulk, or let's say 62% of, of firms gives you some benchmarking. So if you're on a technology committee or you're involved in, in uh, getting technology uh, for firms, I think these things are really great benchmarking numbers uh, so you can say, are we in the ballpark? What are we doing? Where are the, and it's also giving you an idea of, of where the concentration of purchases are, which to me, again, is bread and butter. You know, laptops and notebooks, desktop, 
PCs, network servers, printers. And then interestingly, uh, the antivirus, anti-spam spyware software and cloud-based services for for those those security tools which is it's kind of an interesting development um, it also sort of tells you the main areas that firms are working in and then uh, uh, Joanne and Yopst always do a great job of adding a new topic every year and so this year they asked some questions about big data which I think were way too early in the in the process of big data but it's it is interesting that of these firms, 10% are at least starting to work on big data and a strategy about that. And there are some interesting stats that are worth highlighting. And, you know, 91% of, of, of those firms' attorneys are using tablets on a daily basis. Although, interestingly, not 91% of those firms have a, a mobile security policy in place, which is sort of surprising to me that you would not have that in place when you're allowing the use of mobile technology. Um, and then the other thing I thought was interesting is that the internal decisions of attorneys are really what those firms rely on, on technology purchases. And although firms use consultants for to provide provide certain services, they don't seem to be used consultants to help them make purchase decisions, which surprises me, especially as firms are starting to look into cloud services, um, because that's where I think that potentially consultants can help help firms strategically and to evaluate the different services. And and then I guess, Tom, just to, to wrap up before I turn to you for your reactions is, I, I there was a great uh, question about the most exciting technology or trend, which they talked about mobile, cloud services, uh, virtualization, which lets you know that uh, ILTA surveys may be answered by the IT people more than lawyers when virtualization is a hot topic, which I think it is at a technical level, but it's sort of surprising to see. And already people interested in the wearable technologies. Yeah, I um, I think that after I give my impressions, we're going to have the opinion that I'm probably just kind of cynical about all of the survey results this year and and I I have to look at the respondents to the survey because I think that in large part it skews somehow the answers that are there and and if you look at the responses this year um, the the fifty eight percent I think it's fifty eight percent of the responses were from firms of one hundred or less which I would consider to be at least in this market I would consider one hundred to be on the high side of a medium sized firm um, and not quite a large firm and so only only forty two percent are from a hundred and above and if you're looking at the really big firms, which will, I think, do a lot of, of large firm stuff, you're only seeing 14% at 400 lawyers and above. So I think you're seeing smaller firms doing some things. Um, I, I would say that, that the major purchases this year seem to me to be kind of the standard um, uh, replacement of l laptops and desktops, hardware upgrades, uh, uh, server upgrades, uh, nothing really new or interesting, although I was I thought that cloud storage was an interesting interesting new addition and I was sort of impressed to see that that 35% are are looking at purchasing it this year so that was one change that I thought was interesting and I'm glad that that Joanna and Yopes added that as a new as a new uh, area this year again not surprisingly but I'm still confounded by it email management is listed as the number one technology problem I really want to know why 
firms are having such trouble with it. and For and seven it, years in a row, Tom. For <laughs> seven years in a row, it is still the same problem. No kidding. I've Just to note that, uh, t- two small points. I, interesting to note that BlackBerry still has a hold on 28%. It's 28% of the market in the ILTA survey where it's only about, I think, I can't remember what it was in the mobile, in the ABA survey. It's under 15% easily um, in the ABA survey. So interesting to see that uh, BlackBerry still still has a hold on a quarter of the law firms. And also interesting to see that the Windows Surface tablet was starting to make some inroads. It's still not very high, but we'll notice that in the ABA survey too, is that uh, people are, are, are realizing that it might make sense to to have all of their programs on a tablet and they want that that form factor of a, of a mobile device. So I thought, so like you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of the, the interesting things that I thought were, were great. Uh, those were some others that I thought. But, but again, um, Nothing that really surprised me or or just brought me out this year. It just seems to be, and I, we come back, I think, to David Houlihan's idea that things just seem to still be rather slow. I don't think they're necessarily, I hope they're not slowing as the ABA results seem to tell me, but, uh, but I, I just think that things are slow and I don't really see a pickup like I would be hoping for. Dennis, is that your sense as well or am I off on that? Yeah, I mean, I sort of feel that, that it's, I don't know whether you call it slow or you call it stable or you call it wait and see. I mean, it, you definitely get that feeling, but I've had that feeling for a couple of years. And Tom, I, I never know whether we're just really savvy about this this market and so nothing surprises us or it, there really is that sense of, of slowness out there. So... I, there's nothing that you really point to. You go like, oh, you know, this and that and something else is happening there's just not that sense right. uh, that's that's going on and so i don't and i'm not sure where that that would be next year either but i sort of think this there are some trends that are starting to to work through and mobile cloud those sorts of things and we'll just i think over a couple of years they'll just be here and we'll take them for granted and sort of wonder how it all all happened i'm also a little bit surprised that you don't see the microsoft updates you know anywhere on here uh, so people aren't upgrading to new versions of software i think the the Surface tablet thing, I, I also noticed that. It sort of seems like it's an iPad world out there for lawyers. And then the Surface tablets are drawing a lot of interest. Uh, I would say more so than the Android tablets. So that's sort of interesting. But I, I think it does come down to the sense of, of it's a sort of wait-and-see period. And and so I so what, what do you do with those numbers and how would you interpret them? And it, in a way, it sort of depends on who you are and what your your role is. Uh, but I find them extremely useful. And I, I always like to take the point of view of the lawyer who's on a technology committee. And I think these surveys are great for giving you baseline and, and benchmarking, for showing you where people are putting you know, money and 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 the directions that they want to go in technology. And then also I think that these these things really open the doors to the firms that want to invest in technology and want to do innovative things. Cause I think it shows that if you're nimble and you have some ideas, I think you can probably leapfrog, you know, using technologies in ways that the the slower firms, the more cautious firms are doing. Because if you're going like, wow, this technology really seems boring to me. I have all these great ideas. I think it means that this is the time to try some of those ideas because because you may uh, 
really and truly develop a, a competitive advantage because other people are sort of standing pat. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that um, for me, the, these surveys are very beneficial to vendors um, that can po- help position how they want to offer their services to lawyers. But I really think that um, that the average lawyer who's not on the technology committee, who's just looking to understand where do I start, where do I get started, um, I think that looking at some of these questions can see what lawyers are finding interesting and what um, what they're investing their time in uh, to learn about and to, to to spend their money on, and I think that that at least is a good uh, set of data points for lawyers to use um, if they're trying to understand better how to use technology in their practice. Um, and maybe not going to give the whole picture, but I think it's certainly going to let you know what are other lawyers out there doing. And uh, I get that a lot from everybody wants to know, well, what is everybody else doing? And we'll, we'll just do that. And this is one way to figure that out. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. I spoke at the Missouri Bar's annual Lexport Technology Conference a couple days ago. There were nearly 200 attendees. One of my co-presenters, Jeffrey Taylor, known as the Droid Lawyer for his blog of the same name, tweeted a question during the conference that was basically asking why these legal tech conferences are attended primarily by what he called seasoned lawyers. There weren't a lot of young lawyers there, I'll agree, and that's something that we notice a lot at the tech show and other legal tech conference conferences. Uh, Jeff generated a bit of discussion on Twitter, but I think it's an important topic because it's really the opposite what I think a lot of people might expect in, in attendance at these, these types of conferences. So Tom, let me ask, is this also your observation? Actually, I know it is your observation. And why is it so? Why is it that we don't seem to see many young lawyers at tech conferences? Well, you're right. I do see that as well. I don't see a lot of young lawyers. Um, in my opinion, there are two reasons for this, and they both sort of roll up under the general category or general heading of priorities. Um, I think first, younger lawyers. Uh, for the most part, uh, depending on where you are in your practice, they're just getting started. They're learning to be actual lawyers. They're learning how to try a case, advocate on behalf of a client, understand their area of law. They're learning how to to be a lawyer, uh, which means that if they had to pick a seminar or a conference to go to, they're going to pick a substantive legal conference. I don't think they're going to go out and choose a technology conference uh, to go to if they're spending their time going to a conference, unless they're already interested in technology. And there's a lot that are out there, but again, I don't think I think they're the exception and not the rule. Second reason is that today's uh, young lawyers, and this is my experience when I was working at my law firm, today's young lawyers were all raised with technology. They are 
They are they are not uh, what do they call it? Uh, digital immigrants. They are natives to technology. Um, unlike the more seasoned lawyers that that Jeff is talking about, they get technology, which I think leads to some level of complacency. Uh, why should I go to a technology conference when I already understand all this stuff? But but I think that that's a misplaced complacency. It's it's really easy to train a young lawyer on technology because they know the lingo, they know the language, they are already familiar with what I was going to talk about. But that said, even though they get technology, it doesn't mean they know how to use it the right way. I mean, lawyers are, uh, young lawyers are failing the Kia tech audit, the legal tech audit that Suffolk is now, uh, has now adopted by not knowing how to manipulate a spreadsheet. They're not, they don't know how to bait stamp uh, PDF files. I think that if you teach them, they'll get it. They understand how to use technology. But for me, it's a false assumption on the part of the young lawyer. So I think, frankly, I think the better question is, um, we probably don't have time to answer in the podcast, is how do we get them to come to the conference? Uh, you know, what's the hook that gets them interested in coming um, that these conferences aren't providing so far? That's good. I, maybe I'll make a note of that for next time I'm trying to come up with a topic for a segment, maybe for in the next episode, and maybe we can get some uh, some listeners to give us some thoughts on that. Maybe we'll address that in the, in the next episode. You know, I, I see the same thing, and, and, you know, a lot of times I attribute it to the gigantic increase in minimum billable hours required for all attorneys uh, at at firms when you're you're working at a firm that expects a minimum of 2400 billable hours you have no time for doing any CLE let alone something that's not specifically on subject so I think that you're right about that and, and I also think that the young lawyers are a little bit reluctant to ask for money from those in firms to ask for money for CLEs for something that's, you know, not on a substantive topic or an ethics topic. Then I also think you're, you talk about the generational thing. I think that you've, need to, if you're used to saying, oh, I can find something on YouTube or on lynda.com or something like that that will give me the answers to exactly what I want, um, that's probably going to be more appealing than to say, oh, I'm going to take you know, for example, uh, two days at ABA Tech Show or three days at ABA Tech Show, and there's a whole smorgasbord of of different things I could learn. Where I think I just really want to learn, you know, one or two things. And what if I go to this session and they just talk about things I already know? That sort of that sort of thing I th- I think plays a a part in it. But I I think the other thing is that there's just that such cautiousness uh, among lawyers about technology and and this sort of lack of realization that the law practice aspect of technology and how you can enhance the way you deliver services, reach out to clients and all those sorts of things are the things that you learn at a legal tech conference as opposed to just, you know, how can I learn to use a certain program better? So I I think all those things come together, but Boy, I'd sure like to see more young lawyers uh, come to these things because their questions are great and they, they add a great perspective on technology. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. 
my parting shot is uh, is a service that I've been using now for I guess probably four or five months, and in my opinion, it's one of the best uh, news sources I've been using that you wouldn't think of necessarily as a news source. It's called NextDraft.com. Uh, it's a single guy. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know why he's doing it because it's all free. Um, you can sign up for a newsletter. You can get the iPad or iPhone app, and every day at the end of the day, he provides you with ten stories that basically sum up the news of the world that day. It, it gets you the important news. It gets you the technology news. It gets you whatever is important that you need to know that's going on in the world. And what he usually winds up doing is finding one link, that one great story, one reporter found a hook on. But he'll also find really interesting things that come up and, and kind of nuggets of, of information that you don't really expect to read for the day. I always look forward when I see the email show up in my inbox. I always look forward to reading it because I always learn something new about not only the news, but something that's going on during the day. And again, like I said, I don't see how he's profiting from it because it's all absolutely free. Nextdraft.com. Tom, I think that's the first time this year I've heard somebody say, I look forward to seeing an email. I know. Although I will say I did unsubscribe to the email when I downloaded the iPad app. So I, I, I guess I'm being misleading there. I, I got the email every day until I just realized they had an app when I was preparing for this podcast. So I was speaking recently about uh, ethical cybersecurity for the non-technical lawyer. And so I was doing a little research and uh, Dr. Neil Krawitz, K-R-A-W-E-T-Z, writes a blog called HackerFactor.com. I guess the blog's called Hacker Factor. He has an interesting post here recently. So this would be, I, I would say, probably October 2014. The title is Security by Apathy. Um, and I th it's a really great blog post that goes through uh, – the basic premise is that, you, you know, nobody – you can – your pass, he even gives one of his passwords and say, hey, look, people have to go through so many things just to figure out where this password we use. I can just blatantly say what the password is and feel I have no concern. So that's one, one of the things in the article. But I think more importantly, he walks through a lot of different basic approaches to security, including the, the notion of layers of security and just a couple of really good ways to think about security. And so even if you don't agree with what he's saying about and you you don't feel like you want to just post your passwords because you feel so confident about how obscure it would be for or how obscure it is to find the place where, where they're actually used, um, I think you can really learn a lot about basic security approaches uh, from, from this post. So I, I highly recommend this one. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, uh, is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site. You can get to archives of all of our previous episodes in both places, on iTunes and the Legal Talk Network site as well. If you have a question that you'd like answered uh, or a topic from upcoming podcast you'd like to share with us, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile and Dennis is at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by telling a couple of your friends and colleagues about this podcast. 
Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.